you wouldn't understand why they do that but if you have empathy you at least try to understand like you put yourself in their shoes and you try to understand and that's when i think you find solutions Our featured speaker today is a doctorpreneur and healthcare innovator, passionate sustainability advocate, and the co-founder of Care on Call. Nithya, it's a great pleasure to have you as our featured speaker today, and thank you so much for being willing to share yourself and your journey with us. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Nancy and Spencer. First of all I have to say that I love the way you put it saying that it's a shared learning experience and it's my absolute honor to be contributing to this shared learning experience. The honor is all ours and I'd love to kick off having you tell us about your motivation really to become a doctor and some of the early life events and mentors maybe that influenced that decision. So basically I decided to become a doctor uh I think when I was 3 years old or something it's basically like as long as I remember I've always wanted to be a doctor and that's because I come from a family of doctors and also a community which is very service oriented as well as academically oriented it was natural for me to want to be um uh, in the service industry seeing my father also being extremely uh service minded he's a doctor as well i i kind of had this passion from very early on that i want to learn about the human body and that's where i'm going to be able to give back to the society with that knowledge and with that skill set so that's what really pushed me to become a doctor that's awesome i love hearing about that sort of passion and where that comes from and it's very interesting that your family has doctors already that inspired you that's really really cool to hear about Can you talk a little bit about your journey into entrepreneurship and what inspired you to start Care on Call? Was there anything you look back at and sort of see as like a catalyst or a starting point in your eyes? Yeah. So, see, the being a doctor was very clear from early on, but being an entrepreneur is not the I cannot say the same thing about that because first of all, when I started off, which was back in 2014, uh with Care on Call, I don't think entrepreneurship and entrepreneur was such a buzzword like it is now and uh in fact uh, at that time I had just gotten out of college and there was a need where uh, friends and relatives would reach out to me and uh, say you know ask for medical advice and uh, you know me being me I would say you know I want to go the extra mile and rather than just giving advice over the phone i need to examine and see you guys so that i have the full picture of your health so that's how it started where i decided uh, along with my co-founder to go to people's houses to visit them and do the physical examination at their houses this was also because we didn't have a physical clinic space because we were right out of college and just preparing for probably a post graduation or a specialization in medicine so in fact that's where it started the the need was there where people wanted medical advice and they wanted somebody who they could reach out to who could they could trust and um and we as doctors just started going to their houses and the word spread 
this word spread so fast and within a year we had like thousand families like uh friends and relatives would refer us to their friends and relatives and before we knew it we landed up in houses who we didn't even know like patients we didn't know so uh we realized that this was the need of the hour at that time because there were a few doctors visiting houses or doing house visits back then but they were all very old and very few like maybe one or two for the entire city so they couldn't meet the needs of everybody and uh, people liked having a dynamic young uh, duo coming in and uh, treating them and, uh, and and we obviously had a lot of time to give them one on one consultations so they appreciated that so that's where care on call kicked off so we never realized that we what we were doing was entrepreneurship or we were entrepreneurs until we were almost halfway into the whole journey of uh, starting the company and expanding the company so that that's what happened thanks nithya that's such an amazing story i have a million questions about care on call but to be honest with you because this is such a shared learning experience I was wondering if first you could share one of your biggest lessons in becoming an entrepreneur and given your experience now is there advice you might give to those of us just starting out in our journey So like I said um you know how uh, we started off trying to uh serve a need which was the need of the hour but what really made it entrepreneurship or what gave us the lessons that followed uh was the fact that we took one opportunity and that opportunity led to another opportunity so when we would visit patients houses we wanted some support with respect to iv fluids and the allied medical services so that's when we decided we needed a nursing team on board when our hands got full we started clocking 100 kilometers a day and we couldn't take in more patients we couldn't physically go visit Uh, patients in the 24 hours so that's when we decided we need more doctors on board because we were getting patient calls and then we we were getting uh because of patient calls we have nursing services required or blood tests at home so literally each and every vertical we grew into was the next opportunity that we took that we see saw the need for and that we took so it became like a ripple effect which i call the ripple effect this was like a big lesson to me that we need to really be open minded when we begin when we begin this journey of entrepreneurship we we've got to look closely at the opportunities and start and and act so action is so important so when you act that's when you realize the next step right so that's the ripple effect so you realize the next step at the end of the day after 7 years i can confidently say that the struggle is real the struggle is definitely real where even though we had doctors on board nurses on board we expanded to different verticals first it was just home visits we then did corporate visits you know corporates are maybe four star five star hotels or uh, big tech companies who require doctors uh, to do to look into the healthcare needs of their employees so they would uh, require the doctors to come uh, to their offices office spaces and probably uh you know look into like the employees needs and the employees could consult with them so these services kept adding on but at the end of the day 
there was so much that we weren't prepared for. So the struggle is real in the sense that there are failures. There, there's so much hard work. I think for the first three, four years, I've worked 24-7 on ground and on the managing side of things and expanding the company nonstop, being a doctor on ground and doing that nonstop. So it's extreme hard work. I, I remember where we where there were instances where I had to walk out of a movie theater because I had I was in the movie theater watching a movie and then I had to take a call. I had to go see a patient. So that's you know, there are moments like that. Or there are moments where there's a corporate who who all of a sudden had a requirement uh, where 200 people fell ill over a span of few days. So they wanted a doctor on board full time. And at that time, we had scarce resources. We had just a few doctors. So I stepped in and I literally that that requirement of theirs with 200 people falling ill that went on for 12 days. And I did 24 hour duties for 12 days uh, straight. Uh, and and on the side, I, I was managing the team outside where I had a doctor and a nurse who were doing house visits at that time. So I was also taking patient calls and coordinating those appointments and getting the blood tests done for those other patients, home care patients. So you will have to dabble in a lot of things. There'll be a lot of things going on at the same time. And there's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of failure. Like you won't get all the projects that you want to work on. Uh, there are some contracts that you won't get maybe because your quotation is higher than your competitor but all of this I think you you can't stop failures you can't stop mishaps but what you can do is learn you can learn at every step you can learn so okay your competitor got the contract all right so what did they do different from us what do they have that we don't have so you learn from that experience and the next time you make sure you get that contract right that's all so Learning is a big part of this whole process. Facing rejection failures is a big part of this process. And at the end of the day, having empathy and forethought, because um, there are a lot of things you won't understand. A lot of behaviors, like people come up to you and they act the way they act, but you wouldn't understand why they do that. But if you have empathy, you at least try to understand, like you put yourself in their shoes. And you try to understand. And that's when I think you find solutions. So when you find effective solutions, there's always empathy behind it. And there's always that consideration and un trying to understand the problem. And that is so key to entrepreneurship, where because it's such a huge learning process, at every step you'll need to find solutions because every day is a challenge, every new uh, situation, just hits you and you need to know how to solve that problem right so that and and through all of this experience you also gain forethought uh you know you start getting a habit of trying to anticipate what could go wrong so that's also something you gain out of experience and it's it's an absolutely amazing journey i can say so these were like the big lessons full of lessons <laughs> yeah entrepreneurship is full of lessons absolutely and i think that's something that people underappreciate the importance of empathy in entrepreneurship. As you say, you're never going to get a solution that really applies to the people you're targeting if you can't put yourself in their shoes and see from their perspectives. I think that's very wise words. Thank you so much. One thing I was hoping to ask you about is um, the 
MIT Bootcamp. What prompted your interest in attending it? And have you found any of the tools from the disciplined entrepreneurship framework particularly useful for you? Oh, of course. Uh, I mean, I, I really definitely the bootcamp experience was uh, transformative for me because, first of all, it's literally the first formal entrepreneurial or business uh, course that I have done. Uh, otherwise, before that, it was just I got my medical degree. So, uh, you know, this was the first time I could look at a, a framework um, which was based on numbers, which was based on innovation and how entrepreneurship begins, um, you know. Uh, so to basically validate my journey thus far, to know that, yeah, what we've done is actually right. In fact, you know, we learned about uh, LTV and Coca, I'm sure uh, Yuvesh and Ujwal and Ashish and all will agree with me who are on online. Um, LTV and Coca, uh, we learned about that. And, and that's the first time I had I heard those uh, terms, which is in the bootcamp. And it said that, you know, the ratio has to be high, the LTV has to go up, the curve has to go up and Coca has to come down. So it's basically cost of customer acquisition. And um, Coca is cost of customer acquisition. I'm like, oh my God, yeah, this is what happened with our with our startup. This is what happened with Care on Call, you know? Uh, so this, it, it was really fascinating to see um, the framework being given to, kickstart entrepreneurship, which I and, and every step that they gave, I felt was very, very relevant to my journey as well. So I can only imagine how robust the framework was. And um, the people who attended who've not yet gone on their entrepreneurship journeys would definitely find that extremely effective to start off, you know, to kickstart their companies. And uh, uh, also, I should speak, uh, make a, a special mention of the Harvard Medical School uh, classes that we had um, on telemedicine and the latest technologies, it was a, it was an eye opener because I've always been passionate about getting the latest technology on board with my company and uh, equipping my company uh, to grow scale with technology. So it was definitely an eye opener, and I look forward to learning more uh, in that space. It really gave me that. Um, uh, desire to learn more and of course to meet the brilliant professors uh, Dean uh, oh my god he was he to just have the connect with the brilliant professors it really opened us up your mind to work with a global team this was my first chance to work with a global team so it really opens up your mind to the ways uh, the different ways of thinking and a global perspective on healthcare global perspective on entrepreneurship and and how to scale you know it really helped me in those lines you clearly have taken such specific parts of the framework and really helped them work for you and and really just taken what's been successful for you and you know put it through that filter so that you can further understand why it works and continue to make it better kind of building off of that you clearly you know, have started this amazing business that's thriving and you have your hand, I know, in other fantastic projects. And I really think you have a great future ahead. I'm curious to know, you know, what you see as the next step in evolution, really, in your entrepreneurial journey and how Care on Call is part of that. Throughout my journey, I have had a passion towards 
climate change or sustainability. And it is only recently that I have got a perspective on sustainability that I didn't know before. So first is that it's environmental sustainability, right? That's always been on my mind. It's like climate change is a big thing. And in fact, the pandemic, COVID, uh, I, I definitely have read research articles and I feel that at the core of it, the causal factor of the pandemic is also, uh, uh, the underlying factor is also one of the factors is climate change. So going ahead into the future in the next decade, uh, right, in the next 10 years, uh, the world will be faced with these two global problems. One would be the healthcare, of course, and then the other is the climate change. And in fact, there they ha there's an interplay here where climate change can cause a global health crisis, like how COVID has already, you know, been a, a, an example to us. So I see that the way forward is to align the responses uh, to both these problems, global problems. And that's what I'm looking for in my entrepreneurial journey ahead. And um, sustainability, like I said, one wing is the climate change. And the two other main factors are the economic sustainability and the social sustainability aspects, which is economics is how do we ensure that businesses thrive? They are profitable, but at the end of the day, they are also serving the purpose, right? Because we've always come across some corporates which are making billions, but they might not actually um, be doing that in a sustainable manner. Uh, they might be uh, actually be detrimental. The business might be detrimental to a lot of other uh, factors, social factors or economic factors. So you need to, or, or there might be businesses which are doing everything right by the society. They're doing amazing work, but they are not making enough profit to sustain themselves, or they're not uh, able to uh, give enough uh, growth to their own employees, right? Provide growth to their employees. So that's very important. Economic sustainability is important. Everyone wants to grow uh, financially as well. And, and also, the social sustainability where society as a whole needs to have that harmony or balance there are a lot of factors that we can discuss uh gender inequality and you know a lot of factors socially which which are not uh, optimum at this point wherein uh, it's it, the best potential is not uh, is is not reached at this point so Going forward, I feel the, these three, the triple bottom line of sustainability is what they call, is what I want to integrate into the healthcare industry effectively. And uh, definitely with my own company. And uh, I have been doing it in small ways with Care on Call till now, but uh, going forward, I see Care on Call scaling nationally. And when I scale it nationally and internationally, hopefully, I want to do it in a sustainable manner. You know, not, I want to think of, it holistically and scale in a sustainable manner. I think that's an amazing motivation. I think one of those things that a lot of people, especially when you're excited, you know, you're doing well, your startup's going well, you don't, a lot of people don't take that sort of perspective where they see how can I continue growing it, keep, you know, keep this success going, but not do it in an unsustainable manner. And I think having that mindset is so valuable. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I didn't, I hadn't actually heard the link between climate change and um, COVID before. Um, so that's actually very interesting to me as well. 
I was actually hoping I could ask. Um, we've we, we've had several guests come on who have voiced both the challenges and silver lining moments brought about as a result of the pandemic. Um, I was wondering if you could talk about how your business has been affected by it, it being so pre- prevalent to the topic. Sure. I'll just come to that because you said that you hadn't heard the link before. I'll just tell you what I read in one of the articles is that because of the temperature changes, uh, because of climate change, the bat population, which ultimately carried the virus, they propagated in a location which they weren't supposed to propagate in. Uh, So the temperature made it more conducive for them to multiply and then the virus multiplied. I see. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, that's the link. And yeah, with with my company, oh my God. Uh, so this was like yeah, early twenty uh, twenty. Uh, it was a huge challenge in the beginning because um, nobody knew what is happening in the world. We just knew this new virus is there, and then especially the healthcare field, right? Like we we knew that we can do something, but we didn't know what we could do, right? Uh, and at the same time. There was a lot of fear around it. So our team started backing away. They, like we had many of our team members who were like uh, uh, showing concern and skepticism about coming to work. And it was hard for us to meet the demands at that time because um, we still had patients. In fact, the demand rose. We had patients who couldn't go to the hospital, who were scared to go to the hospital. So they were at home and they needed services at home. So our services, which we've been uh, building on for the past five years, suddenly became like uh, the only service possible, you know, for uh, our patient base because hospitals, they couldn't go to, they couldn't go to any other uh, clinics. So they just wanted the service, uh, the doctors to come home or medical services to be brought home. And the demand rose and then our team members were very, uh, were backing away. So what we did was we said we have to take the reins and we have to turn it around. We got the team together and we said, see, uh, you've heard of a war situation and there are soldiers who go out into the war, right? They're called upon to go into the war. So this COVID is our war. Like it's, it's the healthcare, it's a healthcare war. So we being in the healthcare industry, being capable of helping patients, we are soldiers, so we need to do this. We, we, it's our responsibility to be in the front lines. It's our responsibility to take care. Uh, and, and we are not saying that you have to sacrifice everything to come and help the patients. So we try to give them like a hybrid model where uh, they could work from home. And also, uh, whenever it was required for them to come to the office, they had to take the risk. I mean, uh, and, and most of them, you know what? when we spoke to them this way and they got perspective, of course, yeah, one or two might have backed off, but most of them, the majority of them rose to the occasion and and it made us so proud. It made us uh, really uh, recognize that there is that community spirit, that there is that sense of belonging and the world is one family where we are all helping each other and we're uh, facing this challenge, a global crisis together. So, that said, once we got the team on board, we, we had to onboard specific exclusive COVID services. We had COVID testing at home. So you, you might have heard of the RT-PCR tests or antigen tests. So we provided all the different areas of tests, COVID testing at home. 
So uh, in order to do that, we had to do all the groundwork. We had to call, uh, make multiple calls. We had to find out who in the market is giving this service and tie up with them, which labs are doing it because we don't have a lab of our own. So we had to outsource that, but we had to also make sure it's quality testing. Um, and there was a problem with the volumes. Even if we collected samples, sometimes the volumes were too huge and the labs took days to process the results. That came as a challenge because the patients kept uh, getting anxious, right? Because their uh, samples were taken, but the reports weren't coming. So that was a challenge that we faced, but we, we've done over 10,000 COVID tests, more than that uh, now and uh, at home. And one more thing we did was uh, complete COVID care at home. So we introduced this package called home isolation package where people who were COVID positive, but not as they didn't present severe symptoms, which warranted them to go to a hospital, uh, they had to isolate at home, right? So we would take care and monitor them at home. So we sent our nurses. In fact, there were nurses who rose to the occasion. They wore PPEs and they would go to patients positive, COVID positive patients' houses and they would collect samples and all of that from our team. So um, we did that for patients at home. We gave them uh, doctor tele teleconsults where we would monitor them every day, get their vitals checked. Uh, we would give them uh, essential medicines, COVID medicines, um, and uh, whatever they required. We, we formed a COVID home isolation kit and we got that sent to patients' houses who took up these packages with us. Um, and we would ensure that they recovered, you know, and if they if they got worse, then we would refer them to the hospital. So that was one of the services that was a pretty intense program that we uh, brought on board. Uh, it involved a lot of different logistical steps, which was difficult. Uh, and then uh, we also introduced child immunization at home because the, because of the pandemic, there were kids who were not vaccinated, uh, who were not able to uh, get their vaccinations, you know, their usual vaccines. So we introduced that where we we sent our nurses to give the children their vaccines. We got the vaccines for the patients and got uh, the services taken care of at home. We addressed the problem of mental health during COVID. Like um, there was a there was obviously a lot of anxiety, depression because of home isolation. The people were alone. They were not allowed to talk to their their family. So. We addressed that mental health issue where we provided counselor or psychologist consultations, uh, teleconsultations to all our patient base. I really appreciate you adding that on too, because I, I completely um, see the link between mental and physical health and, and even pre-COVID. Um, it's, it's clear that you've been through such an intense set of trials through the last couple of years, but it's amazing listening to your story and how you've been able to continue to motivate your team. And it kind of made me think about what it must have been like when your team was really, really small. And I was wondering, you know, what your sort of starting philosophy on your leadership role might have been and how that's changed. You know, this really comes to the most rewarding thing about uh, entrepreneurship for me. Leadership for me was something that grew with growing with the team. So it's something that the opportunities required 
of me to stand up to and rise to the occasion. And I had a few ideas, so I have to communicate it to this this group around me, get the people going, innovate together and get execute the plan together, you know? So leadership is all about, I think, working as a team at the end of the day, because honestly, if I just started off and maybe my co-founder doing the visits uh, and we just stuck to that, we would definitely not be able to have reached this point because the nurse, the first nurse who we onboarded, she made a very good impression with our patients. She was very efficient with her skills. That's why we moved to the next step. And then when we got the next doctor on board, he was able to build that rapport with the patients where we could take a back seat, right? Usually patients don't like it, like switching between doctors, but we successfully in a two year transition, it took time, but uh, we successfully managed to back off from the on ground consults and in fact, put uh, transfer all those patients to the doctors on our team. And they were able to establish the same empathetic connection with those patients and rapport with those patients. So that was so important and crucial for the company. And then we have our coordinators. You know, there are some coordinators who have jumped in to help by doing 24-7 calls coordination, which is so difficult and we appreciate that so much, you know. Uh, so each and every person has put in their skill. And of course, because we are doctors, we wanted an accountant on board. So what we did, I think the right, what, the right thing that we did was we onboarded domain experts early on. We we didn't try to do it all. I mean, we did for about one or two years. We did do it all. Like we were doing the call coordination. We were doing the accounts. Like I remember writing accounts, like physical accounts in my book uh, for, uh, and it used to take me three or four hours, you know, to just write those accounts. And that's when we decided, oh my God, we're wasting too much time, like valuable time of a doctor who could actually see a patient in that time, like, and rather get an accountant for that. So we we started getting domain experts early on and we recognize the invaluable contribution that each each and every team member makes to ultimately take the company to where it is now. Otherwise, it's impossible. And I think leadership is all about the team. Yeah, it's, it's definitely all about that. There's no leader without the team. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I think I think that's something that a lot of people, especially people who like, I tend to really want to like get into the nitty gritty of everything. And I think people like me tend to struggle with understanding that sometimes the best thing a leader can do is step out of the way, you know, let you hired someone to do a job and they're most valuable when they're doing that job you brought them in for. So I think that's very, very wise words. Um, I was hoping to ask a little bit about how do you define or measure success for yourself personally and professionally? And is there a difference between them personally and professionally, how you go about it? Okay, yeah. Kind of a broad question, I know. Personally, I can say that growing up, uh, I never knew that, you know, being from the community that I am uh, from and just the general setup, growing up, I never knew that women could have an equal voice. In fact, society portrayed it such that, you know, women romanticized uh, ha waiting for a prince, you know, uh, and this even Bollywood movies were like that. Like even, uh, you know, this famous uh, movie called Dilwale Dulhanya Le Jayenge, that's like basically uh, translates to uh, a guy, uh, your prince coming and taking the 
uh, women away or bride away. But you know what? I have realized that in order for the society to reach its full potential, women need to grow out of this fantasy. They have to grow out of it. They have to understand that they can and need, it's the need of the hour for them to make decisions without guilt, own their truth, and and really decide as a whole, including themselves, not just for the the male counterpart, or not just for the society, but also for themselves. So for the society to really reach its full potential, women have to get out of the fantasy of waiting for a prince. And personally, I feel like I have achieved that uh, through my journey. Um, and in fact, I have to call my my call to all the ladies out there is, uh, you know, women don't be taken away. Just take over the world. It's time, you know. So that's that's my mantra personally. Um, and professionally, I feel. Um, of course, uh, there are a lot of factors, right? Uh, people measure success uh, with a lot of factors. In fact, this was one of my questions to Erdi in the boot camp. Uh, you know, is there a formal business measure uh, of success? And uh, to my surprise and relief, he says that there is nothing like that. Uh, so because I do believe too that success is very unique to an individual and also it's very dynamic. like. What I would consider success today maybe would not is not what I would have considered 10 years ago or what I would consider in the future 10, 10 years from now, right? So success is dynamic, yeah, and it's very in, unique to the individual and definitely not does not come with the monetary tag for sure. Like I, because that's one thing I have understood through my entrepreneurial journey that it's not the, the greatest joy or the success successful moments that were felt by the team and us were not the times of course that's important where we hit the targets where we made an extra profit that's important that's part and parcel of our journey but it's also very all those moments which are intangible you know all like most of the beautiful moments in life are intangible i think success is a sum of all those little moments where we have impacted and made a difference around us in a positive way, uh, even in the smallest way. You know, it's just a sum of all those little moments. Wow, great answer. I, I just wrote down what you said, success is dynamic and unique to the individual. I, that's honestly part of the reason we like to ask that question. Um, and and your answer was was amazing. It really talked about how you, you know, found um, your, kind of purpose and place as as an individual, as a woman, as an entrepreneur. Um, I I was actually wondering, you know, you're you're a woman of so many varied interests and and clearly very talented. Is there a problem that you'd like to use um, your knowledge and passion to solve that you haven't delved into yet? It is it is, I think, what I already spoke to as of now, where I feel that it, in the next 10 years, for all of us to look at society as a whole and to look at business in terms of sustainability is so important. So that's a problem that I'm definitely looking forward to solve. And um, uh, in fact, uh, it's it's not 
it's it's probably starting off as a problem now, but it's going to become huge if we don't address it now. So I want to be in front of that change where we incorporate sustainability into uh, healthcare. Absolutely. I think the more people realize the importance of sustainability, the better. Um, as, as you say, I mean, the next tw 10, 20, 50 years for sustainability, people are going to more and more, if we don't do something, realize the importance of it, I, I, I hope. Um, now, it does seem like you are doing, if not everything, at least a little bit of everything. So what I was hoping you could dive into a little bit is how you balance your work life, how you go about sort of, you know, getting that time to release yourself and relax versus really digging in. Because no matter how good we are, none of us are 100% perfect. True, Spencer. And you know what? Uh, in fact, how do I balance things? Actually, I've learned it the hard way because I kind of tipped over. And in 2019, I remember, like, I actually faced burnout. Like, I literally experienced burnout. Um, so I wasn't clearly balancing everything. Maybe I was balancing everything around me, but not the, the, the me. So I realized that I was available over the phone 24-7. I was working 24 seven. I was, when I'm not working, I'm doing something else, right? Like, uh, because of the varied talents that I, uh, you know, decided to pursue. Like I had, I used to do my dance workshops or I used to uh, um, help with volunteering work. So there was always something that I was doing and it, it really came back in 2019 and made me realize that I had to deliberately take time off to not do anything. And to do that was very difficult because like how you said, you know, it's difficult to try to let another team member take on your work or to delegate. It's somewhat in the same lines where if you have to step out, you're scared that there might be some crisis where, within the company, something might be happening where they need you, where they need you and they, you know, you'll get that call. But to be able to say, it's okay. It's not, the world is not going to end. Uh, you know, and take that step to disconnect. For It could be just a few hours a day. It could be just one hour, two hours. It's okay, but it's so important to do that. And I think there's a brilliant book on this, How to Do Nothing, The Economics of Doing Nothing or something like that by Jenny Odell. And I really, I, I hope people who feel overwhelmed with everything that's happening around them or the, who who are who are you know there's a lot of extra noise and you have to at some point cut it down and practice silence uh, mindfulness there's also something that i'm looking forward to is movement meditation uh, because i'm a dancer as well as you know i uh, since 2019 i've been using meditation as one of the most effective techniques to disconnect and it's really helped me uh, and i if i if i practice and go forward with meditation and practice taking time off, I don't think I'll face another burnout. So I've learned it the hard way. I so much appreciate your honesty in that answer about your personal burnout and finding balance, because I think if you're a passionate person, it's something you experience at one time or another. 
Um, and I often feel that it's something that we sort of expect we should be able to handle on our own, but it's really valuable to hear about um, how people really tangibly make a plan for themselves to to balance things because we all need sleep. We all need time to unplug. Um, and I kind of just think about it as like, if you have this bucket and you really need it to stay at a certain level, like if you're pouring out into all of these other things, you just need to make sure that your bucket stays at the level it needs to be at. So you need to feed in whatever you personally need to keep it at that level. Um, and, and that can be a really personal thing, but you you have some other things in your life that I hope maybe are a little bit of both um, that I kind of want to get you to talk about. So I know you're a very accomplished dancer. You're a diver, which I haven't told you, but that really excited me. Um, and then you've been a longtime volunteer in a couple organizations. So I'm going to give you a question and you can kind of take it into whatever branch you want. Um, I was wondering how you came to be involved with the Animal Welfare Board of India and and what you're hoping to accomplish with that. Yeah, uh, this is a story which is very close to my heart and I want to share my screen if that's okay. Can you see this? I can see photo of a dog. So it all started with this darling. <laughs> so she, she's Cinder. Before I, you know, go on a roll talking about her, uh, and then we'll have to take on another hour. Nancy will have to change the show's name to Cinder's Voyage, <laughs> because that's how, you know, how much I love her. So it started with her. Uh, of course, I've always fostered and taken care of animals, but she was special. Like, basically what happened is I was taking care of her in the sense, feeding her. She was a community dog, right? Uh, community dogs in India are very common. Like, we have street dogs everywhere. And uh, she was one special dog who, was, who used to just come to our apartment. And I would feed her and everything. But at one point, there were residents of the apartment who started, especially one guy, he was threatening me that... You know, he was like, he was not happy that I was taking care of her for some reason. And he started threatening me. He was like, be careful of your dog. Uh, you know, don't let the dog uh, litter the place and blah, blah. And I'm going to, uh, what we do in the army is to shoot these dogs. And, you know, he was basically talking in a very threatening sort of way. And I felt that was really atrocious. So I immediately jumped. I went online. I jumped online and I started researching about community dogs and what we can do and whether other people have faced the same problem, right? And what I came across was the Animal Welfare Board of India. And I came across that the Indian law or the government actually supports uh, people, civilians, any common civil civilian to take care of community animals. Because why they do this is because community animals, if they are not taken care of, if they're not, if they don't have that a sense of harmony with the humans, then they tend to be aggressive. And then that's where the problems start, you know, that's where people have like bites and this and that, you know, but if you if you uh, take care of them and if they have that sense of harmony with you, then uh, it's a nice community. So the law, Indian law actually supports this. And then Animal Welfare Board of India, actually, if you go online and you become a member of it, they give you a card and this card, you can literally show the card to anybody who objects you from taking care of street animals and you can say that by law you're doing the right thing 
So what I did is I literally printed all of this matter down and I got my card and I went to each and every resident in the apartment and I said, you know what, what I'm doing is right. And in fact, it's needed for the animal to not get aggressive uh, and harm you guys. And that's when everybody understood. And then Cinder became uh, the heart of everyone's homes. Like she would go visit all the apartment residents' homes after that. Uh, you know, that's that's my journey with the animal welfare board of India. But in general, I've been fostering a lot of animals and taking care of them. And I, I really love animals. Absolutely. I feel the same way. I had growing up, my parents took on a dog that had been at a abusive home previously. And so we ended up taking on this dog for the last few years of its life. Um, and she was very, very scared at first, but, you know, very lovely, you know, caring animal. And if, if exactly as you said, if we don't, you know, make them comfortable with human society, that's when the problem happens. That's where the source of the issues comes from. Um, so I'm very, very happy to hear about that. Now, we have unfortunately come to the near the end of the hour. Would you mind if I just ask you one more question? Yeah, please. At the end, we always like to wrap up with a, um, a question that's very free form, very sort of open to you. And basically what we say is, do you have any words of wisdom or best lesson you'd like to give to us, to the community, whether someone else gave it to you or you came up with? But I very much want you to interpret it as, you know, your opportunity to say what you think would bring value to the community. What I would say uh, is, I would quote um, Waldo, um, with, he says, what's behind you and what's ahead of you or before you are very tiny matters compared to what's within you. And I think each and every one of us has a responsibility to recognize and realize the potential within us. And with this is when you can start impacting the world around you, even in the smallest ways possible, because that's where the ripple effect starts, which I told you earlier about, where you start impacting in a small way, and that's when opportunities start opening up uh, from one to another to another. And I think that's the most important thing for us to recognize and realize that potential within us, each one of us, and to impact around, using that skill and potential to impact people around. And um, I was hoping to actually uh, sing a small line for all the people who know Hindi, at least for the Indian community. I don't know if we have enough time for that, though. Absolutely. Please share. Okay. This is uh, basically a motivational verse, and it's a very small one. Tandala jaye jo manzili, ek par ko tu nazar jhuka. Jhuk jaye sar jahan wahi, milta hai arab ka raasta. Teri kismat tu badal de, rakh himmat bas chal de. Thank you 
जहानी आसपास है खुदा तू न जहानी आसपास है खुदा तू न जहानी आसपास है खुदा yeah it's so beautiful thank you so much for sharing it with us thank you that's a that's an inspirational song but it was so beautiful to hear you sing it thank you for doing that oh my god it, it's been an absolute pleasure i appreciate all of the things that you've shared with us today um all of the bits of yourself personal and professional so thank you so much for for taking the time and and energy to to be part of this with us we really appreciate it thank you so much nancy and spencer for shining the spotlight on me and uh i hope that i have done justice at the end of the day uh so thank you so much for this opportunity and uh, it's been uh, like i said i i love the phrase shared learning experience and more power to you guys to rolling with more and more episodes of the founders voyage i look forward to it thank you so much and thank you so much for coming on and yeah we'd love to know too if there's anyone that you would like to nominate or hear from um for one of these weekly discussions so uh feel feel free to get back to us on that so thank you so much again and i hope that you have a wonderful evening ahead Thank you. See you. See you everyone. Thanks everyone. Have a great weekend. Thanks guys. See you guys. This has been Nancy and Spencer on Founders Voyage weekly podcast. Our speaker each week can be reached through our Discord server. Our intro and outro music is from the song Something for Nothing by Reverend Payton's Big Damn Band. We'll be back again next week for another episode. Until then, have a great day and continue your voyage.